Cuphead and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here on a Friday, and no games planned till next Thursday. It's going to be my last game before I really get hot and heavy into it with this show, trying to learn the line. I've already started learning the lines. And I'm thinking of not much else now. I think I have some artwork to get out for for Eric Tinkar, but you know, it's going to be that in line readings and cleaning the house, of course. So <laughs> that's my life right now. I'm thinking of taking this time off from gaming. I'll do like a gamer. You know, I'll run a little something once in a while on the weekend for the grandkids or something. But I'm thinking of kind of getting a little bit more introspective about... Yeah, like I need to get more introspective about role-playing games. And maybe rethink a few things since the campaign's on hiatus. But anyway, I've got a voicemail for you to listen to. Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor decided to drop me a line about the NPC classes I was talking about. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, Glenn. Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor uh, about the NPC classes. A lot of times I noticed, too, uh, I mean, there were more profession classes. They would have, like, scribe and alchemist and not very adventure friendly classes so to speak they're not going to go against too many monsters and i had a random table last night i just got that table fables and they were rolling npc classes and majority of them were professions more than anything so uh and then in that case when they're a profession i almost don't care if they if if it's an npc class or you know so then it can kind of show the speciality of maybe the alchemist and you know the higher level to get the more potions they can make or i have a whole torch bear kind of thing that i do that's kind of goofy that's kind of fun for the players so um all right glenn we'll talk to you soon thank you much tim yeah that table fables books i've been meaning to get those i don't know why i haven't got them yet i hear they're really nice but yeah the profession classes you know, nowadays, maybe I'm just holding an old grudge against NPC classes or something, because they are kind of useful in a way of, well, in the age of things like character funnels and other things like that, you could use those as, you remember the, the second secondary occupations in 1E's DMG, you can actually use that as a zero level character I'm thinking and then run it through the funnel and see if it comes out the other end. Also in my my friend Matt Smith Garther RPG, everybody starts at zero level and five hundred XP later your first level. So you could actually start them out as an alchemist or some kind of a scribe or something like that who just decides to take up a sword and go find trouble. So thank you for giving me that idea and thank you for calling. You folks can call it, uh, you know, on anchor here. But anyway, what I want to talk about is what I think of as the other part of the sandbox. Now, I talked about rosy sandboxes, about plenty everything, you know, in the compass. That's part of it. The other part, and I've seen this done in a lot of books from, uh, I don't know, the Midderlands, the Hexcrawl Chronicles, even like Isle of the Unknown from... Lamentations of the Flame Prince, or Carcosa is an even better, better example, where you lay out some stuff that's happening in a hex. And 
even Hot Springs, Hot Springs Island does it really good. But you have the compass rose thing if you want to do it that it's I don't know if this is an alternative or just the other side because you plan out a hex where this is happening, that's happening, other other things happening. I wouldn't plan it any more than three things in a hex. Sometimes just one. You know, there's uh, something unusual in the hex. It doesn't even have to be something going on. Maybe some people are getting exploited. Maybe there's just this ancient statue that's been there for millennia or some kind of abandoned dugout or something like that. And you let them explore it and make the adventure around that. I that That is right there is... <laughs> That's like extreme game master because I would just say, okay, these are in these hexes. They go in this hex. They see this. Let's see what they do. And let's make an adventure right around it, right at the table. It's like, wow, working without a net. Okay, let's go. I've got the stuff. I got the monsters. I got what's going on over there. Okay, let's see what happens. And I'll just have to make up NPCs on the fly or whatever. That sounds like, to me, that sounds like a lot of fun. Not something I could do all the time. But that's a nice change of pace. Now, the key of doing that kind of sandbox, where you just have stuff in a hex, is when you break down the air, hex crawl area, whether it be a section of land or an island or whatever it is, you've got to only plan. It's, it's like a dungeon where they say, like, only a dungeon should only be two-thirds full. There should be empty rooms and other things like that. There shouldn't be a monster or a trap in every room. It's the same thing with hex crawls, because you can't put something in every single hex. It's just unrealistic, and it'll probably get the characters killed faster than they would like or you would like. So things like, I think, let's see, what Hex Crawl Chronicles does, they have, say, I don't know, 75 to 100 hexes in the area, and they'll stock like... 25 of them so you got a lot of this dead space a lot of this traveling stuff because it's more realistic this is where your random encounters come in and if you want to link them to whatever's going on it may be something from that area coming into another area you never know but it's it's you cannot fill every hex it's just it it doesn't work i'd, I'd be exhausted trying to do it anyway so you so you pick out your hexes you pick out what's going on. You figure out what's going on in the area. And as you pick out your hexes, you can figure out what's going on in the area, which is nice. One thing can be linked to another thing. I've seen that. I've seen, like, they got this one hex on this one side of the one side of the island, which has something to do with the king on the other side of the island. And it's it's kind of a, a carry. It's, kind of, it's consistency. It's a through line, whatever you want to call it. Um, and... It works really well. I, I kind of recommend that sometimes. Just grab a hex crawl, look through it, and just be prepared for stuff. I mean, have random encounter tables, of course. You might have some NPCs pre-written, and my form of shorthand for NPCs, some monsters pre-statted, like I do. NPCs always get the, to me, NPCs always get the benchmark uh, treatment where you write down their pertinent things, you write down what their attacks are, what the damage is. Again, I don't write what they have unless they kill them. Oh, I'm looting the body. What I do is write down the damage they do. 
because I can always ad lib what kind of weapon they have afterwards. And I can say, oh, he's coming at you with a great axe. Okay, fine. Something like that. And same with the monsters. You write down the pertinent information, their hit dice and hit points. I learned to write hit dice now, down now, because I didn't used to do that. I used to just write the hit points. Until recently, at the Astonishing Swordsman game, I've got a player who loves to use stuff like sleep. And he always wants to know what hit die mon- or turn or some, what other ones to turn. What hit die monsters do I affect? Oh, geez. L- let me go look in the book. I only wrote his hit points down. So I learned to put hit dice down, too. But you stat out those 12 or 24 hexes, and then you let them go and see what kind of trouble they get in, into. You can make up a re- probably make up a really neat campaign that way. And what they do in one session, you can start prepping in the other one, in the next one. Because I would like to take a first session where, okay, you guys land here, and you have to do, you, you're just going to explore the area. You're going to go outside the city and see what you find. And they stumble upon something. And then they deal with that, encounters, whatever. And I leave enough loose threads where I can sit out for my prep for my next game going, okay, let's link a few things up and see what happens. Because it's amazing. It's amazing when you start doing things like that, like I did with the uh, one-hour prep with the clock or, or things like that. It's amazing how your mind will just say, we'll start making connections right on the paper there, like right here. If you Okay, they did this, this, this. I got these threads here. Why don't I hook that up? I look at that. Oh, this other hex over here has got this, this bandit, this bandit enclave that maybe they had something to do with it. And, they, and you could just, you know, ad lib the first session, and then you start doing that and just give yourself enough, give the players enough rope to hang themselves. But, you know, just give you enough prep to follow it up and pretty soon you got a story you got an adventure and that's why i like sandboxes so much and that's the other side of planning something for the compass rose because of looking back on the rosy the rosy sandbox it's like if i wanted a campaign that's what i would do but if i just want to run them through whatever and let them go find their fortune i would do it this way so both approaches work well don't know if they work together, never tried it, but that's pretty much where I am about the other side of the sandbox. Okay, so I'm going to go start my day. And folks, if you want to talk to me about this, you want to drop a line, you can record it here on, well, here, wherever you are. You can go to Anchor and leave me a message, or you can leave me an email at oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month. You can support this show, and I would thank you. So it's time to go. So until we meet next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.